No one wants to go back to the days of the misery Olympics when Australians were at the mercy of a broken system and when Australians with disability were forced to rely on charity to fundraise for wheelchairs or a place to live. Those were the opening words of the Minister for the National Disability Insurance Scheme and Government Services Bill Shorten at the National Press Club today as he responded to a long-awaited review of the NDIS. The previous planning processes have been bureaucratic, traumatising, even dehumanising. People say that dealing with the planning process is like a second full-time job and preparing for a planning meeting sometimes feels like they're going to war. People are tired of having to prove every year that they're still blind or in a wheelchair or have Down syndrome. Dealing with the NDIS should be simple and fair. Joining me now is Bruce Bonnie Hattie. He's the review or the co-chair of the review and one of the key architects of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Bruce, welcome to you. Uh, great to be talking to you, Andy. Before we get to the key recommendations, as we will, Bill Shorten said something very interesting at the end of today's National Press Club address. He said it was inevitable that the NDIS would have a, quote, Mark II moment. I mean, I, I understand his point, but should it have taken 10 years to identify these problems? Well, I, I, what I think is that um, the 10 years has enabled us to collect an enormous amount of data. Important to remember too, Andy, that it's only three years ago that the scheme became truly national and was available to all Australians and all people who had previously been in the in, in state systems had come across uh, to the NDIS. So I, I don't think the timing is wrong. I think the timing is in fact excellent because we've now got 10 years of data which uh, we were able to use extensively to inform the review. And we've got all those experiences of people with disability and their families that we were able to draw on. So I think the timing is good. Uh, and hopefully uh, our recommendations will improve the scheme to make it the world leading scheme that we all fought for a decade ago. In your review, you wrote that, quote, we must return to the principle that NDIS eligibility is based on uh, and foremost on a functional impairment rather than me a medical diagnosis. I, I want to understand this because there's been a, a bit of punditry around today talking about this idea that you don't need a medical diagnosis. So does that open the floodgates to other people that want to get on the NDIS or does it somehow... Uh, impair the people who uh, obviously need assistance because the doctor has said so. So what does this mean when someone is applying for the scheme? So um, one of the measures that was taken really to um, expedite bringing people into the scheme was to create lists of particular diagnosis uh, and people uh, gained automatic entry as a result of that. It's become quite clear that this is deeply uh, uh, unfair. Um, the second, because some people get automatic access and some people don't. The second problem is that some people have been able to get access to medical and other specialist reports in order to support um, uh, a particular, you know, the classification of a particular uh, diagnosis. This is a scheme that was always meant to support people with the most significant uh, levels of disability. It was never intended to support uh, all people with disability. And as a result, medical diagnosis is the wrong, is the wrong initial basis. What we uh, really need people to be uh, 
you know, eligibility to be based on is uh, functional uh, impairment because uh, that uh, is the way you identify the people with the highest support needs and therefore the people that need uh, an individualised package. Uh, and in fact, this change is about making the scheme fairer, where it is completely unfair today. Autism seems to be the condition that kind of reveals some of the contradictions here because obviously to provide automatic entry to the scheme, you need a doctor's certificate or doctor's diagnosis. But then again, Bill Shorten today made it clear that the review is not about excluding autistic people that might have lower order needs, if you like. So which one is it exactly? So... Can I just say that um, the focus on autism, the focus on psychosocial disability, the claims that people who are autistic or have a psychosocial disability would be excluded from the scheme, you know, some of these claims that were made in the lead up to today's release of the real, I think has been not only unhelpful, but it has been really traumatising for people. So I just want to come back to the point that what the scheme is about, it's not about ruling in or out any diagnosis. It's about saying the scheme needs to take account of all, pe all of people's functional impairments, which may arise from many different diagnoses. It's not sufficient to focus on a particular diagnosis. It's, what it's what's needed is to understand the total functional impairment and what that then means in terms of support needs. And so what we, we are recommending is a much more um, comprehensive uh, assessment of functional capacity. There's never been an investment in that. Uh, people have simply tried to get a doctor's certificate or other certificate to gain entry to the scheme. Uh, at the same time, there hasn't been any supports available for people outside the scheme. And so the two critical, cha two critical changes here are a focus on functional impairment, but also then a focus on what we call foundational supports for people not eligible for the scheme. So we need to get move away from this question of am I in or I'm out to a system that uh, makes sure that supports people receive are proportional to their needs, whether they're in the NDIS and getting an individualised package or they're outside. And then the other critical bit is making sure that we pick up developmental delays and concerns as early as possible in life to make sure that those supports are provided as quickly as possible when brains are most plastic and so forth. And perhaps also uh, avoiding... Uh, further costs to the Commonwealth further down the track. This review and a year-long inquiry came amid various concerns, including the scheme's financial sustainability. We've also heard about fraudulent operators. Bill Shorten talked about that at length. So how much money could potentially be saved if all of these recommendations you've made are adopted by government? So um, governments have made clear that if um, we... if these reforms uh, don't happen. The scheme is on a path to uh, cost, you know, $100 billion and uh, have a million people in it, uh, you know, within a relatively uh, short period of time. Um, what these reforms will mean is that 
people, the system is fair and that the NDIS is sustainable and that costs should come within the target that was set by National Cabinet uh, uh, six months ago. So it will have a significant effect on costs, on sustainability, and of course, a sustainable scheme is one that's going to endure and therefore be there for all Australians whenever they might need it. Are you confident, Bruce, that the government will adopt all of the recommendations? Do you have any doubts? Look, uh, we. Uh, all I can say is that I've been uh, absolutely delighted with um, the decisions announced by National Cabinet yesterday to uh, for the Commonwealth and the states to share in the full funding of foundational supports. Uh, that the states have agreed to step up their contributions to the NDIS so that um, they really are full partners with the Commonwealth uh, on the scheme. Um, the response from the Minister today at the press club where he has um, effectively endorsed um, our key recommendations, I think uh, mean that you know we're very hopeful that governments will um, accept uh, our full recommendations because the point we make is that these are a package, that everything is related to everything else and so... So, so Bruce, if, they, if the government only adopted part of these recommendations and not all of them, what would that mean for the intention of your review and the intention of your well, vision I'll, for I'll, the NDIS? Look, I think, uh, two points, it's obviously a hypothetical question. I think we're in a world where they're, um, I'm very hopeful they will adopt uh, all of the recommendations. The danger in uh, a partial adoption will obviously depend on what recommendations they adopted and, and which ones they didn't. But uh, I, I, I think, so you, we would have to sort of see the consequences of that. I think the other key point that needs to be made is that disability representative organisations have announced today that they're um, looking forward to working with governments on the implementations of this review. So I think you've got uh, a consensus across uh, all governments uh, of the need for these changes. And so I'm very hopeful that um, NDIS, um, you know, Mark II, uh, as the Minister described it today, uh, will be implemented uh, with a real sense of urgency, but also at the same time recognising these are very significant changes. And so it'll take a number of years and we recommend a five-year transition for all of this to come into effect. Bruce Bonihadi is the co-chair of the NDIS review released today. I do appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Andy.